Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. For his monthly meeting with us is... Uh, our mayor, uh, Joe Schember, the mayor of the city of Erie, and uh, I think congratulations is in order, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I did a lot of door-to-door during the campaign. I actually went to 1,500 doors of Democrats that always vote, and you know, I had gotten very positive responses from them. Uh, but you know, you never know once the, what's going to happen in the election. But I, I can tell you, the results that came out were very similar to the results I got going door to door from what Democrats were telling me. So I was real, real pleased with that. As a political watcher, and again, you could agree or disagree, but your demeanor is not Mr. Politician, but you're quite an effective campaigner. Thank you. I mean, I, I do work hard at it. And again, my favorite thing is going door to door. And I, yeah. I think there's nothing better than the voters knowing who you are. And many of these doors I had been at four years ago, and a lot yeah. of the people reminded me I had stopped four years ago, and they appreciate it. Yeah. And I think some people that maybe weren't sure when they had a chance to talk to me, they could make up their minds and, and move forward. Another and, another thing I think that was quite impressive with your campaign is you that that one commercial of of just here's the metrics measure me by our successes and yeah. you know no taxes for five years this is what i've saved in, in you know in salary costs and, and so on that was a very strong um message to to Thank bring you. to the table i think that kind of really goes back to my business background with pnc for 40 years uh you know we were judged based on what we produced and every year we would have a review and we'd have goals set. And yeah. you know, I did it for employees that reported to me and, and the, my supervisors did that with me. And that's why we created this document here, this Activating Our Vision, which has 26 measurable indicators, all related to the five elements of our vision for what we were trying to accomplish in Erie. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. And we're gonna continue to uh, do business that way as well. I wanna ask you, uh, you know, cause I, I interviewed all three candidates and, uh, uh, and I, I got to tell you, again, just to be honest with you, like there it seemed like there was some momentum with Mr. Spagel early on. And, you know, that I'm like, wow, what? You know, first off, the idea that you were getting primaried in the first place kind of uh, was an indicator that we are in, in new territory in, in the Democratic Party in Erie. Right. Number one. Yes. But uh, number two. um you know, that it just seemed like he there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, chatting about it, but really his performance, uh, you know, was not anywhere near, I'm sure, what their campaign wanted to see. I mean, you you beat him five to one, basically, Mayor. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm real proud. Of it. And again, I just ran on my record. I wanted pe yeah. people to see what I had done. And if they liked it, put me in for another four years. And if, and if I'm actually OK, if they don't like what I'm doing and want to put somebody else in, I mean, I I live with that. Uh, but I, I really love being mayor. You know, I love my job 40 years at PNC. That was mm -hmm. all serving customers. I loved it. I love this one even more because I don't have that additional thing of having to make money, make a certain, you know, a certain right. amount of money uh, for the bank. At City Hall, it's just all about service, which is what motivates me and what I love doing. 
One of the one of the criticisms that came out of these conversations were, was referring to the police department and saying, uh, you know, they don't have regular reviews, that it's an old boys network, and you know, these are these are criticisms that I've heard my entire life when it comes to uh, to uh, the police department. Is is there any validity to some of those co- uh, complaints? I think I think we could definitely still improve it, but I can tell you that uh, unlike previous mayors. I appointed one person in the police department, Dan Spazarni, to run it. Other mayors have also supported, appointed his subordinates. I left that totally up to him. Uh, I don't tell the police who to hire. So I don't have any buddies anywhere at City Hall that I try to get a better job for or anything like that. It's all, I try to run it like a business. And uh, I, I think I've got good people managing each department, including police and fire. And I let them make their decisions and, and choose I've not once told anyone to hire a certain person or not hire a certain person. I really leave that up to the supervisors. Do you feel like they're doing performance reviews and that, that it is merit-based and so on? Well, we tried to, we, we started to implement performance reviews last year, which is something we wanted to get in place. Obviously we deal with four different unions and to, to implement it with them, we have to have conversations with, with each of the four. Okay. We started it out though, uh, with last year, all non-union employees uh, got reviews. So the uh, eight people that report to me, I, you know, I did reviews on, and Renee and I did it collaboratively. Uh, and uh, you know, all the department heads, I was involved with uh, their reviews as well. And then they did reviews with their pr- people. And I think we did okay with it. We probably could do better. And uh, we're, we're starting this year now, we're, we're negotiating uh, once every four years, one of the unions comes up for renegotiation of their contract. And we're negotiating with, uh, I'm trying to remember which one, but we have a union, I think it's AFSCME. Okay. Uh, and and we, so we hope to bring that into the conversation and, and see if we can start that process. Uh, all the supervisors have gotten to experience it now. If you work for City Hall, you were never reviewed before. So it's something brand new. Seriously. People are a little afraid wow. of it, uh, but it's just a chance to have a heart to heart conversation between the supervisor and the people that report to him one-on-one and all that information should be kept strictly confidential. And I'm hoping that people will actually like the process and embrace it. And over the next few years, we can get it implemented with all the unions as well. Again, that that's that kind of examination that you had to go through at PNC all those years, what every six months or something like that, or, or every- yeah, at least, yes, at least once a year, sometimes yes. more often. And, uh, but it was always once a year, you had to write a self-evaluation. You sent that to your supervisor. The supervisor does the evaluation. Then you sit down and I'll never forget my last review, which was in uh, January of 2016. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And and January 16, I told my supervisor and his supervisor was sitting in the meeting as well. I was planning to retire at the end of the year because I wanted to run for mayor. You're not allowed at PNC anymore to run for public office and still work there. Yeah. So, and his immediate response to me was, well, we're going to hold your job open until after the primary so that if you don't, you know, win the primary, you can come back. He said, after that, we'll have to fill it. They did that. And, you know, they called me after I won the primary uh, three years ago or four years ago and said to me, uh, well, now we're going to fill your position. Uh, so I was—I didn't ask for that. I was very honored that they did that. Uh, let, let, let's, uh, you know, uh, one of the other things that came up uh, when I was talking to uh, Ms. Zimmerman was about these uh, community 
uh, agreements, uh, community benefit agreements, those CBAs. And I know that that, that is kind of a, a progressive um, talking point that seems to come up a lot. Uh, what What is the big pushback for those that are in development against a CBA? Because I would imagine you're having people talk to you about, hey, we need to do this. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not fully comfortable with community benefit agreements uh, because you know we're trying to grow Erie now, and that can turn a lot of businesses away that might want to come here uh, because there's you know restrictions in it and things like that. But I'm, I'm all for being open and honest and, and negotiating things and uh, and try, you know just talking honestly with people. But uh, I'm not I'm honestly not comfortable with community benefit agreements because I think it would really slow our progress in uh, restoring Erie. Okay, and, and do you feel that as far as for minority people, uh, minority businesses in construction and in development, that there's uh, that there is enough uh, access to bids and and getting subcontracts and so on? I think I mean that's kind of the essence of it, right? I mean, yeah. And I would kind of have to say I don't think there is enough uh, that okay. access for my, for minorities. And you know we have a lot of minorities, obviously African Americans. We have uh, Puerto, you know, Puerto Ricans. We have, we have people from a hundred different countries that became U.S. citizens in the area over the last five years or so here. Wow. And I think that's one of our biggest strengths. Uh, but, but the, unfortunately, and, and we know Orientals have suffered a lot, not necessarily locally, but across the country, they've suffered a lot of discrimination and yeah. and evil events against them. Sure. So uh, I, I think that's something that we that we want to keep on the front burner and, and, and continue to work through that. Kind of be, be still uh, kind of champion access, champion opportunity. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. A, 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 that the, the new term now uh, or the new acronym is the AAPI. It's something new for me, but Asian American Pacific yes. Islander. And of course, Nikan is kind of uh, – uh, you know, it kind of leads the way I mean, right in your cabinet uh, yes. for helping us understand the needs of, of that people group. So, yeah. all righty. So go ahead. Nikan and I were at an induction of 12 new U.S. citizens at the Erie, at the federal courthouse here in Erie today. Oh, this wow. Morning. Yeah. And uh, it, it's always a very moving experience for me because my grandparents on my father's side came here from Sicily. On my mother's side, they came here from Ireland. And my mother and father met here, and it was at a time when the Italians weren't real accepted here in Erie. Now they're part of the fabric of who we are and what we do. But at the time, you know, th there was some really con serious concerns when my mom and dad started dating. On, I think on both sides, but we were they were accepted and uh, mo moved forward. And you know, I, I really think that's you know that's kind of the kind of thing that's great about this country and. The, the 12 new citizens were from seven different countries this morning at the event at the federal courthouse. And I was, uh, and again, there were men and women, people of different color. It was, it was a really, a, a, a good event for me. Yes. Uh, before I go to my break, I do want to put a bow on, on the election. Uh, with that vote of confidence that you received on Tuesday, do you, do you get a sense of, of new vigor of, of, of renewed uh, zeal for the job? Yes, it's, it's very, very energizing. I have, I have to admit that. The one thing that would really energize me more, you know, there were about a thousand Republican write-in ballots that were cast. And uh, anytime I talked to a Republican, I would, you know, kind of in a nice way say, I'd really appreciate it if you'd write me in, if you, if you believe in me. 
some said they would do it. Some were like noncommittal. Some said, absolutely not. I'll never vote for a Democrat. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. uh, I'm very, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for the results because yeah. a candidate has to have over a hundred votes in order to be placed on the ballot through a write-in. And they also obviously have to be the top write-in win winner. So far, they've only a, a lot a, a, a let out about 12 of the votes. I don't know why. It's yeah, so there's cute. like over a thousand on the Republican side, yes. isn't there? Yeah, there are over a thousand. Of the 12, I have seven of them. <laughs> Spiegel, had, Spiegel had two. Okay. And three other people had one. Okay. So, oh, wow. All right. If it keeps, I mean, that will really put me on a high if I can really, because then I won't have to campaign sure. much at all for the, the November election. I can really focus on moving the city forward. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, uh, the, uh, yeah, that, that write-in thing might take a while because they got a lot of them in the city, especially. You think about it, we're close to a billion dollars of private and public-private investment going on uh, it, through all the construction and everything that has happened, right? I mean, from yeah. Hammett yeah. to Erie Insurance to Erie Events, uh, you oh, know, yeah. and a whole lot more. Yes, it is absolutely incredible, and, and you're absolutely right. The, the the stadium is. I love watching baseball anyway. I've yeah. been doing it all my life, but that that is such a wonderful place to watch it. And as we were talking on the break, the changes to the Warner are really incredible, also. So that whole area just becomes a magnet for people to go and do things in the evenings or the weekends, for sure. Well, and again, when you're talking about those walkable neighborhoods or that, you know, that that uh, that vigor of life, I, again, I, I need to pull your pen out in order to read the the uh, the, the mission statement. But honestly, uh, um, I mean, it's going to take these kinds of things to continue to grow to be a, an attractive point. I mean, I mean Erie Erie is trying to fill that uh, that tower, which. The Erie Insurance will will fill that tower that they built on on French Street probably pretty pretty quickly once they let they everybody will. back, right? Yes, they absolutely will. I I think they're already looking for more places they can expand. Uh, Seriously, once people are back in the office, they'll they'll fill that up very quickly for sure. Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> I mean, uh, again, when you, when you think about your your, your Lerta program and the whole idea of of what you've been trying to do with with the I mean it all ties together. So you have the you have the water deal, which is able to, you know, stave off right? You're trying to stave off the taxes for five years and within Correct. the next five years get the tax base going. Yes. That's exactly our mission right now and what we're trying to accomplish. Bring more jobs and more people to Erie and raise the income that way instead of raising it by increasing taxes. Yeah. And so, uh, again, if we could catch up with that. Now, uh, one of the things that could be a hit is the census. Did you, Have you heard any numbers yet? Is there anything released? I have not heard any official numbers yet for the city. The biggest the number we heard was for Pennsylvania, all of Pennsylvania. Okay. So I'm pretty anxious. We worked hard at the census. My team really did a lot. Uh, you know, we tried hard, particularly to get new Americans, immigrants and refugees who do, don't understand it. We spent a lot of time trying to get them and we had some success with it, too. But I'm uh, very anxious to see where the numbers are. We'd really love we'd really like to say above 100,000 because our federal funding, if it's below 100,000, the federal funding would go yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, so uh, 
I'm surprised it's taking him so long. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why. I, yeah, but, uh, everybody's blaming COVID for everything. So I think uh, yeah, that's, that's I, what that's all uh, about. Speaking of COVID, COVID shut down City Hall, and now you're yes. working to to build it back up. Tell us about the steps that it's going to take to get uh, City Hall reopened and what it's going to look like. Yeah. The main thing, the main reason it's not open yet is I wanted to give every city employee the opportunity to get their two vaccinations, have their two-week incubation period, and uh, we're not forcing anybody to do it, but I wanted everyone to have the opportunity, and they have had that now. So we're working very hard, our public works department, to reopen on uh, Tuesday, June the 1st, which is a week from this coming Tuesday. And uh, It'll be a little different. Uh, anyone coming to City Hall will have to come in the State Street entrance. In the past, you could also come in the Peach Street entrance, which is kind of near the police station. But one of the things that's important is that we kind of separate the police from the rest of the building. And uh, so we are going to have uh, three police officers, uh, not City of Erie police officers. This is a private agency we're hiring in, in the lobby. And they'll be running a scanner, a metal detector, uh, and they'll be talking to the people that come in, find out who they're here to see. They'll let them know. Uh, we're, ask, we're asking all employees to let the, the officers in the lobby know in advance who's coming and why. Obviously, people can still come in to pay their treasury, you know, their taxes at, yeah. at, at the treasurer's office and that sort of thing as well. But you won't be able to go anywhere else in City Hall without an escort of an employee. We've had some pretty serious incidents on the upper floors of City Hall where people have been threatened. Uh, people have you know, felt like their life was in danger to some extent by people that could just wander up there and do and say anything. So uh, we're making it much more like the uh, county courthouse and the federal courthouse in terms of public access. And I can tell you many city employees have said to me, this should have been done 20 years ago. Yeah. And they're very grateful for what we're doing. All right. Well, you, you mentioned um, that... Uh... You're using a, a, a private security concern for, is that Fisher security? Yes, I believe it is. I don't have that in front of me right now. Okay. I believe it is. I've, yes. I've got a text here from one of the listeners. Did Fisher security go through a bidding process to get awarded City Hall security um, uh, contract? If not, why not? Well, my understanding is we did not have to do a bidding process on this because they are on a you have to be on a list in order to be able to provide security because you have to be checked out and make sure you know you're going to do it right and not jeopardize anybody and fisher is, was on the list that we could pick pick one from and, and use and they're local also so we're happy to employ okay. local people okay so so basically they, they were already pre-vetted through what the state yes. or something that's correct okay gotcha yes. I, I wanted yes. to ask you about technology because um uh, the, uh, you know, we were joking, I think last month or something that, it, you know, it took forever for even, uh, you know, pay payroll to get electronic. And uh, is it, first off, is it fully electronic these days? Yes. Okay. I believe it. My understanding is yes, it's fully electronic. Okay. Yes. So, so uh, embedded in this project of reopening City Hall has been a lot of tech. Can you Absolutely. go? Can you talk about that? Yes, of course. All this stuff you kind of have to walk through when you first come into City Hall. We're also going to have people's temperature taken to make sure they, they don't have a high temperature and may have COVID nineteen. Uh, protect people that way. We're going to insist people you know wear masks when they come in. Obviously, uh, at least for a period of time here until we get an okay from the governor to stop doing that. Yeah. 
I can tell you we've put in a lot of cameras all over City Hall as well. Uh, we had some in, but there was a lot of areas where there were none. So we're trying to have cameras in anywhere, any location, someone from the public may be. So again, things can be captured if, if necessary. But is the if is the the IT infrastructure has it been upgraded or or you know is this one of these projects that comes out of the CARES Act or the rescue plan? I mean, I mean, how, how yeah. confident are you in your IT, especially when you think about that that pipeline got ransomware to whatever and you hear about ransomware hitting municipalities and other utilities across the country how safe is the it infrastructure at the city my understanding for our public works people is this is top of the line top of the line and i i've seen new wires being put in through all floors of city hall and and that going on so i believe it's i believe it's going to be very up to date very today uh so hopefully there'll be none of those problems. You never know, but we, you know, we'll see what happens. Once a month, we have the mayor of the city of Erie, Joe Schember, uh, who joins us uh, via Zoom and, um, uh, you know, uh, huffing it through uh, on a Tuesday, you know, shaking hands and uh, knocking on doors uh, to a successful uh, Democratic nomination. And it could be even a Republican nomination, depending on how it all shakes out on the mail on the right ends. Right. Correct. Yes. We'll yeah. see what happens there. All righty, let's uh, let's pivot over to the police here, Mayor. And you had a big uh, announcement last week about the bomb squad. Uh, so yes. what, what's going on over there? Basically, they took over a, a section of our, our building up on uh, Sassafras, up at about 19th, 20th and Sassafras, uh, where all of our re- car repairs and everything are done. And they really needed a place, you know, and, and what they did, this was building was in terrible condition. I saw pictures of it when they started and they did things like reconcrete the floor. There's one, uh, one wall that was in really bad shape that they totally rebuilt. Uh, it, it looks great. And, you know, I never realized the work they have, the inside work they have to do, you know, related to bombings or, you know, threats of bombings and that sort of thing. And they've got some incredible things in there. They've got a great place to work now. They've got a lot of room. Uh, So I I think, and they deliver this service, not just to the people of Erie City or even the county, but throughout this region, because, you know, if there's a bomb scare of some kind, uh, you know, they think they have to travel as far away as Bradford to provide assistance and help. I so, didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, yes. Uh, so they, they've got a great location now to work from. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, everybody remembers the, the pizza bomber, and it was the Erie Bomb Squad who responded in Summit Township to that situation. Unfortunately, it was too late, and the bomb went off. And so, yeah, uh, Erie has this regional service that's centered at, at the city, and so they were able to do some upgrades uh, that way. Yeah. Uh, the the um, what yeah, about throw in, uh, go ahead? When, yeah. that, when that bombing happened at PNC, I was running the branches, and oh, I got the gosh. call and drove up there uh, just you know to be there for you know to help or whatever. And uh, that that was a sad situation. And the the fellow that was forced to I guess commit the robbery yeah. had the bomb. Yeah, Brian Wells. They had him outside laying down everyone was afraid to get close to him and then unfortunately but whoever was controlling it set the bomb off so and an- another you know one degree of separation shaney our producer had just gone through the drive-through 
at wow. that branch yes. and wow. was was on the phone finding out that she was pregnant with her first daughter. So it's just Holy it's a crazy it's, there's a crazy connection with that and and honestly I feel like um it was probably smart for PNC to to to, to shut that branch down like yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it was uh um th- that was yeah just too much too much baggage with that uh so 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 this is going to be a good launching place uh for the bomb squad to work out of and yes they have a great location which they've never had before i think they've been in existence like 52 years or something like that Mm -hmm. and they've never had a location like this to operate in they're spread out they can have all their vehicles and things inside and they can get quickly to many places in the area as well from where they're located you know uh uh I want to ask you about the philosophy of operating the police department and this, this city seems to go in in different waves like like a pendulum. Sometimes we we do things where we don't want to have specialists and then sometimes we're where we want to have specialists. I you know, I remember when my dad was uh, in 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 the brass, you know, they had they had the uh, they had the crew that just did domestic relations, you know, domestic, uh, and they, you know, they have obviously the bomb squad, the canine squad, and so on. Is, is there a, a philosophy these days of running the police where everybody should know a bit of everything and be more generalist and that you don't have these hyper specialists? What's your thoughts on all that? Uh, there, there are still some specialists definitely in, involved in, in police work. Uh, I mean, like, and, uh, like even in fraud, like there's specialists when you're dealing with white collar crimes, like like banking crimes yes. and something like that, right? Absolutely. I mean, you have specialized detectives that work on on that sort of thing. We yeah. just talked about the bomb squad, which, yep. and they have to get special training to be able to do that kind of work to handle bombs and deal with bombs and that sort of thing. So, uh, I, I think I think there, of course, the generalists are the patrol people you know Mm -hmm. the men and women that are out on patrol in neighborhoods and that's going on 24 hours a day seven days a week and they handle uh, about over 52,000 cases a year it's it's really amazing uh the amount and you know the thing that really bothers me i get a weekly report on the number of cases and usually it's around a thousand if things are slow it'll be a little below a thousand if things are busy like they tend to get in the summer unfortunately They're up 1,200, 1,300, 1,500 cases uh, per day. And uh, the thing that bothers me is the highest case number is always domestic disturbances. Is These it really? couples wow. or people related that are fighting with each other. And those are very dangerous because you know, you're coming into a situation that has a lot of history and background and the police handle it well. One change we're making there is we're trying to get some specialists involved to work with these people after they're settled down and, and try to prevent it from happening again. I can tell you a lot of those cases, it's the same addresses over and over again the police have to go to. So is it kind of a, a little bit of what the, the the national narrative has been where, you know, we need more social workers to come, but in your, and what you're saying is they would come behind the, the police activity to say hey how do we uh, how do we stabilize the situation so we don't have to call the cops all the time yes absolutely and those people don't work for the city they work for agencies around town okay. and they get involved and that's what they do for a living yeah that makes a lot of sense um the uh i mean we're 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 in a situation we're not talking about um you know pulling money from the from the police budgets right 
No, I, I guess I don't believe in that. I, I think our police do good work and they're risking their lives literally every day. I don't think I can ever be a police officer, to be honest, uh, yeah. because you never know when somebody's going to pull a gun or, you know, yeah. uh, and unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, illegal activity and there's a lot of guns out on the streets. Uh, are you are you happy to where the body camera situation and the dash camera situation is now that now that they're being deployed? Yes, we're almost a year into using the body cameras, and I'm very pleased with how it's going. And I'm very pleased with how the police have accepted that. You know, we kind of and I think I talked about this before on an earlier show, but the police chief seemed to me to be dragging his feet a little bit in mm. terms of implementing it. But what he was really trying to do is get the officers comfortable that this is a good idea for them and it will actually help protect them. And I can tell you over the, we're coming in, I think in July, it'll be a year that we, since we implemented it and the police have uh, really had less accusations that they've abused, uh, you know, people. And there was one video I actually saw where they had arrested a guy, put him in the back seat of a police car and he started kind of abusing himself till he could, get his face to start bleeding all that's on tape wow and the police were kind of telling him hey stop doing that because you're getting taped and there'll be evidence you did it to yourself uh and i think people are not are stop stopping doing that and also they're being less belligerent with the police because if they are that's going to be captured on video as well it's going to yeah it's going to just exasperate the issue there (laughs) um yeah I, i actually i talked to uh I had a law enforcement officer call me. I don't know what jurisdiction he was from or whatever, but he was a caller uh, yesterday and saying that uh, at least for him, he was very happy about the body cameras, that 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 was really a, a helpful thing to 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 prove that, you know, that, well, you know, for for near like if you're talking about 52,000 cases just in the city alone. I mean, you think yeah. about how many encounters, how many police encounters there are. Um, oh, yes. Uh, one, one more thing uh, there. Uh, you know, there was a specific neighborhood, I think it was Sixth and Wallace, that last yes. summer was just kind of out of control. What, yes. what, what, how, do, how can the police be more proactive to ensure that a neighborhood doesn't get out of control? Yeah. I mean, that's a really difficult situation when you have a couple hundred people out on the street and you get uh, even – five or six or 12 police officers there. They're greatly outnumbered and they, they certainly have to be careful. Uh, we're trying to work with the people in the neighborhoods uh, to get their support and to get them to, to know the police. It's a difficult situation. I'm kind of afraid of what might happen this summer, to be honest. Mm. But the thing the police are doing long-term that's going to be most effective in preventing that is the Police Athletic League, right. which deals with middle school students and uh, I had a chance, uh, I might've talked about this once before, I'll just be brief too, but I had a chance in December to go around with Tom Lennox who runs the Police Athletic League and five other officers to about 19 children who participate in that. And these are primarily minority children over on the Erie's Lower East Side. And every one of those kids had to hug every one of the officers. Mm. Tom Lennox, of course, is an African-American. Sure. The other five were all young white police officers, but they had the same relationship with them as they did with Tom. Yeah. And I was really, I mean, I believed in the Police Athletic League and I fully support it, but that really is something I'd never, I couldn't even have imagined seeing these kids so bonded with these police. And we would ask the kids, how many of you want to be police? And usually of the total, about 40% of the kids I talked to, those 19, wanted to be policemen when That's they grew amazing. up. 
Yes. Yeah. Again, that it's that it's that 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 investment in the future, right, Mayor? I mean, really important. Absolutely. That it is. Yes. Let's pivot to parks. Uh, you you reopened the parks uh, just in the last month or so. Uh, yes. I mean, everything: basketball, the the pavilions, and so on. Is everything seem to be going your way? You know, as far as uh, uh, as far as COVID, as far as um, you know, uh, keeping things you know, uh, in order, there's no vandalism. What, how's it going? Yeah, so far, so good. Uh, it does seem to be going well. Still early in, in the summer here, but uh, I live near Frontier Park. I see a lot of people in there, but everybody seems to be respecting each other and, you know, there's no large issues. And also in Frontier Park, just in case some of your listeners may not know it, they're they're putting in five or four new slides and they're down the side of a hill right Th- near the playground. There's four slides that they're putting there's in? four. Okay. There's two in the middle, two in the middle that are connected, and then one on each side. Wow! And uh, they look pretty steep to me. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to, uh, with Kathy Dahlkepper, slide down them when they open up. Uh, but uh, I'm getting a little nervous. <laughs> I hope amazing. I don't break any bones doing that. You know? <laughs> you, remember like remember when we were bones? kids? You had to sit on a a piece of wax paper, you know, yes. to, to, you know, to make the slide go faster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so that so is that planning on being done by the summer that you know? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was going to open sometime here in May, but I haven't mm-hmm. heard anything yet. And work is still going on, and okay. they're still blocked off. You can't get okay. on them, you know, till they're all till everything is ready. Hey, is Bayview in uh, the water feature at Bayview Park? Is that is that up and running this year? I don't think that I don't. I could be wrong. I don't think it is up and running yet. Uh, Maybe not yet, but is it planned for this year, oh, do you yes, think? It, okay. Yes. I think there is basically based on COVID-19. Yeah. But it was down last summer and hasn't been open yet this year. What else are you hearing from Parks and Rec? I, I mean, are you planning on having your full regimen of, of like spoons, basketball, all you know, the, all the yes. things that are in the book generally every summer, right? Absolutely. Yes. And a new book will be coming out within the next week here. All residents should get a copy of that. But Spoons Athletic, yeah, the basketball is definitely starting. We talked about that in Thursday's press conference this week. Mel came on and okay, good. And, and talked to people about it. And he actually extended another week the time people have to, it was originally going to be this Sunday, I think, and he extended it another week just to get more kids involved. And uh, oh, that's, that's a great league. I've gone and watched some of the basketball there, and it's 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 really good for the youth. Yeah, and again, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's the golf at J.C. Martin. There's, you know, there's just yes. so many different things that, uh, so that that's all rolling up. How does that make yeah. you feel, Mayor? I mean, literally, that maybe we might be that much closer to normal. It's very good to to get back to normal, uh, and you know, it's it's been weird for me because I've been to some meetings now in the last week or two here, and I'm seeing people that I haven't seen in a year, you wow. know, because we were separate. Other than maybe sometimes on video like this, but ne- mm-hmm. you know, never face to face, and it's it's really a good thing that we're getting back to that again. I hope in a few months we get enough vaccinated that we can really open it up. Let's uh, let's finish with finances here. Uh, kind of boring, but that's okay. Um, uh, so, uh, recent reporting has been that yes. All of the money from the water deal has been processed in some way. Can you go right. through that for us then? Yes. The vast majority of it, I think it's about $87 million, is being used to pay down debt. I'm sorry, the, the total debt being paid down, including interest, is $87 million. I think the amount is like $79 million okay. that we're actually put, putting on it. And that, that saves, saves the city, obviously, a lot of money. 
And we, we also, the two other problems that, that our auditors uh, had, the two, th three major problems, the, the two others, the one was the, the interest rate assumptions in the pension plan, right. which were so unrealistic. Every year, the city's pension contributions had to go up on average $1.65 million. Well, we changed those a year earlier. And uh, so that stopped that. Uh, and that saved the city about $67 million uh, over the next 19 years. And then I'll just pause for 20 seconds yeah. and explain that they thought they were going to make so much more through the investments, and then they were caught with their pants down, if you will. <laughs> so so they had to make it up in the budget. That's what That's what the issue was, right? That's right. It was creating a problem for next year's budget by the assumptions gotcha. that were gotcha. in the pension okay. plans. That got solved. And the other major problem is the city's been giving pretty large tax or increases in uh, salary to employees, to all 600 and some employees for many, many years. And it was 3% a year. And the city's income does not increase at 3% a year. No, barely we're lucky if we have 1% yeah. a year increase in income. Yeah. Uh, and obviously we want to change that too. But you know it, that that just uh that's it what, what the negotiations we've done so far we put in place for non-union employees which there's about 80 in the city uh that they get zero percent year one this happened two years ago one percent the second year that was last year one and a half percent in the third year two percent in the fourth year and that's instead of three percent every year we negotiated that with the firefighters we negotiated a different contract with the police last year theirs is an eight-year contract but it has similar savings in it. Uh, so with the go and we've got two more unions to negotiate with uh, ask me this year and the Teamsters next year. And, uh, but what we've accomplished so far is saving the city about an additional four and a half million dollars. So if, if you add all those numbers up, we've saved about $157 million in the, out of the budget mm -hmm. for the next 19 years. Wow. That's about $8 million a year, a little over that actually. Now, we gave up about three and a half million dollars a year from the water authority in their lease payment. So we're still ahead though, uh, close to $5 million, four, wow. four and a half or $4.8 million. So we're saving that every year. And now that we've done those expense reduction changes, the next step now is bring more jobs, bring more people to Erie to raise the revenue that way, instead of having to raise income tax or, or, uh, real estate tax, which as you said earlier, we expect to have no income tax or real estate tax increases for five years. Yeah. This is the first year of that right now. Talk about uh, ARP, any uh, any new um, understanding about what the regulations are behind the American Rescue Plan money that's coming to the city? When is the first payment coming and any thoughts of where it's going? Yes, the uh, ARP, the uh, we did get a 150 page explanation of the rules for how we're allowed to use the money. We got that about a week ago. So we're still kind of working through that. We have a meeting set up next Wednesday mm -hmm. with all the key people where we're going to kind of talk it through. And obviously we want to do it according to the rules. This was really set up primarily. This, this is just talking from a very high level. The primary purpose is to help the people that were most impacted by COVID-19 and one of the things I've talked about with not only city staff, but, but also uh, other local employers and other municipalities, Kathy, uh, Kathy from the county has, has run three sessions with people from all the municipalities in the area invited to talk about, to talk about this. Uh, so we're, 
we're, we're, you know, we're working hard on it, understanding it. And we want to, one of the big things is there's a lot of grant matching grant money out there for projects. If you have money, if yeah. you have a million dollars, you can get a million dollar grant. So we're hoping to at least double or maybe triple the amount of money we're getting, which over the next two years will be $76 million. Holy moly. Which, and that's more than the city get would get in something like this in the city's lifetime, not a human lifetime. Right. It's never got anything like this before. Wow. Probably never will again. So we really want to use that to, to raise the city up to a level that we can continue to maintain for decades to come. Makes a lot of sense. Last question. This is totally a left field question, (laughs) but I keep on asking the powers that be like with downtown about water fountain in the middle of the city. And, and there's been talk about maybe attaching one to city hall. Of course we, uh, you remember the old water fountain right there at, uh, South Park Row and State, right? The old, yes. old one. What's your yes. thoughts about having a place where you can fill your water bottle yeah. in town? Well, I want to thank Kathy Schaff because yes, she's exactly. city council. She is always on that. Anytime we talk about anything, she always brings that up. Yes. And we are still committed to putting in a water fountain uh, near city, over on the city hall side. Yeah. We're afraid to put it in Perry Square that it would get abused and polluted. And, okay. Uh, but if we think if we put it near the police station, it, it could be pretty safe. And with a nice camera right above it, one of those new cameras of yours, right? You're, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're hoping to get that done this summer. Seriously. I, I, don't, I haven't had serious conversations. I haven't had input yet in terms of how we're doing, but I know that, that uh, you know, Chuck, Chuck Zisk and Dave Mulvihill and Public Works are committed to getting that done as well. So hold me accountable for that one. Too. Okay, I'll, I'll ask you about the water again. Well, here's the thing. You've got so many more Erieites on their bikes. I mean, people are living better lifestyles, and you don't want to have the crappy plastic bottles anymore. So uh-huh. you need a place to fill your water bottle. And yes. uh, and and honestly, yeah, If if even if you're – even if this the street is your home, you there's you need to drink water sometimes, and so absolutely, I, absolutely, I Mayor, you're so patient with me. I really appreciate it. You're patient with me too. So, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on. Uh, I hope that you have a great month, and again, hope that you get to rest a little after after the busy uh, um, campaign. Thanks a lot, Joel. I look forward to being on with you next month. Thank you. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.